0: Hi, welcome to episode six of the Behind the Backdrop podcast. I'm Ben Sanford.
1: And I'm Nicole Sanford.
0: And in this episode, we'll be discussing and analyzing the Tony award-winning musical Dear Evan Hansen.
1: Today, we will be discussing Dear Evan Hansen's run on Broadway, a summary of the show the most important themes we think the show exhibits, and then our usual character and song analysis and our other thoughts on the show as a whole. We also want to give a warning that this show talks a lot about mental health issues, including suicide, so if that is a sensitive topic for you, feel free to click off this episode and enjoy any of our other episodes currently released.
0: Dear Evan Hansen had its first reading in 2014 and began workshopping the show until its eventual world premiere in Washington, D.C. at the Arena Stage in July of 2015. Then, the show moved off-Broadway for a month starting on May 1st, and then took a six-month break until its first preview on Broadway at the Music Box Theater on November 14th, 2016. After 21 previews, Dear Evan Hansen officially opened on Broadway on December 4th. The show has had over 1,300 performances. The show also opened a successful touring production in October 2018, starring Ben Levi-Ross in the title role who just so happens to be an understudy in the original Broadway production of Dear Evan Hansen.
1: At the time of this recording, a movie adaptation for Dear Evan Hansen is in the works, set to be starring Ben Platt as Evan, Caitlin Deaver as Zoe, Julianne Moore as Heidi, Amy Adams as Cynthia, and more. The movie has not begun filming, so a release date has not yet been set. Dear Evan Hansen tells the story of a senior in high school crippled with anxiety and depression. As he attempts to navigate issues regarding his own mental health, The death of a classmate spirals out of control until Evan is completely wrapped up into a new world crafted through lies. The plot of this show is honestly pretty complex, so if you're not familiar with the storyline, we encourage you to look up a more comprehensive summary for better understanding.
0: As audience members, both Nicole and I consistently feel conflicted on whether to support or criticize Evan as he creates a web of lies involving the lives and tragedies of those around him. As we grow to care about Evan, we also grow to care about the people he is hurting the most, which only pulls us further into the story as we struggle to understand how the characters will deal with the mess they are creating.
1: In addition to this ambiguity, there are a few different themes in this show about destigmatizing mental health issues. Evan Hansen and Connor Murphy's characters both struggle with mental health, and they often talk and sing about loneliness and isolation that comes along with their crippling mental states. We think this show shines light on mental health in a way that encourages its audience to find the meaning in their lives, no matter who they are or where they come from.
0: Okay, so getting right into our character analysis, the first thing that I really think about when I think about Evan's character arc as a whole is how the play sort of sets him up at the beginning as our clear protagonist, the good guy, someone who's suffering and someone who needs help clearly. And... From there on, it basically sort of antagonizes him and shows the darker aspects of him and how his mental health issues can kind of turn him into a sometimes really toxic person and friend and boyfriend and son. And then at the end of the show, it sort of brings him back and figures out how to sort of help us understand him. And I think that's what's so good about the entire show and how they like write Evan is that. You feel very connected and like you're on the same side as evan the whole show even when he's making really terrible decisions and you can acknowledge how terrible they are but you're still on his side and rooting for him
1: yeah and i think a lot of that comes from how he's portrayed at the very beginning and how they introduce all of the characters at the beginning so right away we see his depression and anxiety through the letter that he's writing that his therapist encouraged him to write to himself And you see a lot of his body language right at the beginning and get, like, straight into his head. Like, the first scene is with him and his mom in his room and then having that conversation and his mom singing the first song of the show. So I think what I really like about the beginning of the show is that we get this view into his life that he's struggling, that he's not doing great. And so right off the bat, we're obviously all going to be on his side. And then, like, before you know it, that's when the plot thickens. And I feel like as an audience member, you don't even realize what's happening until you're already in it. And that's what makes it so complicated.
0: Yeah, 100%. And if we just think about like the start of the show is Evan writing his letter out loud. He's typing at his computer in his room and the way he says it is so anxious and quick and like, I'm trying to figure it out and I don't know how to say all this. And so I think that setting him up as someone alone in his room doing, like, a normal thing for therapy or whatever, it shows that his mind is always racing and he always has this sense of anxiety with him that he has to carry around, which I think helps us as an audience view him in a better light as we see him do a bunch of horrible things Yeah, and the show.
1: I also just love the role of the letter in general because it propels the plot throughout the entire show in the sense that it's a way to show that narrative creatively and a way to
0: I mean it's the sh- title of the show too. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And it's but it's the way it's a way to show what he's going through without him being like, Hey Jared, hey Connor, right. this is what I'm going through. It's like or they don't have to have a scene with his therapist. He's narrating it, but he's not narr- it's not like he's an outsider narrative. It's narr- a very narr- seamless narrator.
0: way to get into his literal mindset. Yes. Um
1: Yeah, I just love that that creativity and i love how like when you're first watching it kind of like what i said before when you're first watching it you're not necessarily anticipating that the role of that letter is going to unfold into narrating what he's going through but it's totally a catalyst for everything else
0: yeah and going off of that kind of what you said earlier like the show especially the first like 15 or 20 minutes They throw a lot at you, a lot happens in that first like intro part of the show. And I think that that also is what helps at least me feel connected to Evan and kind of justify his act, not justify, but like help me understand why he does what he does is that when you think about it, everything that happens with Connor and everything with the letter and how Connor ends up killing himself at the beginning it feels like it is thrown at Evan quickly and he just reacts instantaneously. He just doesn't have any time to think about what would be the appropriate way to handle this or anything like that. And so the speed at which the audience has to comprehend these dynamics with Evan having a crush on Zoe and Zoe being Connor's sister and all of these different dynamics that are kind of thrown at the audience it sort of makes us feel like we are Evan's brain because yeah. that's how he process th- processes things too. And I think that that's a really effective storytelling device to like get us feel like we're Evan is that the pacing of the show mm-hmm. really helps us get into the mindset of Evan.
1: And what's interesting too is that with Evan's character, we're given all of this insider information inside of his head and what he's going through at the beginning. And then with Heidi, we don't get that until the very end. Right. And so... Most it's,
0: of the characters we don't get into way later into the right.
1: show. Which is... I, I guess that's kind of an interesting choice. To your point, I feel like it is a very well done choice that they would kind of throw all of that at you from Evan's perspective and then unravel everything else. I definitely like that. I don't really know how else they could have done that better as far as getting to know Evan as a character. And that's what helps you sympathize with him because right. you're not going to sit there and criticize him right off the bat when you have all this background so it's very well done from a creative and storytelling standpoint
0: yeah i also think that with evan like obviously the the crux of the story like the big mistake is that initially evan lies right he lies to connor's parents and he kind of lets himself fall into this story of like him and connor being best friends However, sometimes when I haven't seen the show for a while, I kind of am like, that's ridiculous. How could anyone ever like Evan could have Mm -hmm. just said that's not true. But the writing does a really good job of making Evan feel trapped in it. And so when I think about it, like conceptually, I'm like, Evan, you're stupid. Why didn't you just do better? Yeah. But then when you watch it, the way that the Murphys kind of push evan and are like you're amazing oh my god why didn't you tell us like he tries to say no to them and tries to tell them that that's not what happened but connor's anxiety sort of ends up getting the better of him in that scene and so he tries to say like connor didn't write this like this isn't what you think it is but he is so overwhelmed and borderline shocked in that moment from hearing the news that connor had died that they just assume that he's freaking out and and in shock But he's like in shock in another kind of way of like, I don't know what to do. And then he basically just runs away. But
1: they read that shock as shock about Connor's death, which in part it's that, but it's also shock about everything, about like with his anxiety too, that causes him to not be able to tell. I just, there's one moment in there where he's says to them, oh, like you think Connor wrote this to me. And then even before it gets to that, like,
0: but at the point where he says like, you think Connor wrote this to me? He doesn't even know that Connor has died yet. So he doesn't even know that, like, he doesn't even know that they are even thinking about it in that way at all. He's just like, wait, what is going on? And it's kind of a, like, I don't know. It's kind of like a damning letter because he talks about how he's pinning all of his hope on Zoe and he doesn't even know Zoe And so that would be a weird thing if Zoe and Connor and the Murphys found out because he doesn't know Connor's died yet. That, like, that would be bad for him. Um, And so I think that it's a complicated situation where he doesn't know what to say because he doesn't even know the situation. He doesn't know what's happening at all. And then as he learns what's happening, it's like, oh my, I didn't... That's not what... I have to go. Like, that, you know what I mean? That feels like his mindset, which I can understand where he's coming from in a state of shock about it. It's mostly what happens as he continues to work himself into the lies later that it's like, Evan, dude. Yeah. You could have stopped there eventually. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Just from an initial reaction to the scene, my first thing is just, he could have said something more to clarify. Like he, my thought process is is just that he would have been able to say, no, 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 what is going on and calm down. But because he's so anxious and that's what they set up in the first 15 minutes, which is exactly what we were talking about before. That's what makes this show so freaking complicated is that... You can look at it from this kind of surface level, like, okay, here's what happened. But if you watch these scenes so closely, they have perfected the chemistry on stage and they've perfected the way that they interact with each other. And Mm -hmm. his fast, like Ben Platt's fast pacedness combined with the way that the Murphys act is impeccable in the way that it portrays it and makes it complicated. It's, to me, it like even feels hard to try to unpack because it's like where do you even begin with having that understanding for him, but also from kind of an outsider perspective, you're like, how, how would you not have just stopped the lie there?
0: Right. I think that when you look at it in this like black and white way of looking at things, it's like, well, Evan, that was a bad thing you did. You should have just told the truth up front. But when you take everything Or my thing else, is like
1: pushing harder to tell the truth. It makes sense that he would have gotten confused, but at least like fight for saying the truthful thing more- Do you know what I'm saying? Which is just a nuance of what you're saying. But for you to continue. Yeah,
0: Like, I just feel like it is a lot more complicated for him as a human. If you're thinking of him as a human being with little to no social interaction, no social skills, never having dealt with anything like this. And
1: he's prone to getting flustered. And he's he's a child. Like, he's a
0: kid, too. We're not talking about some 30-year-old that's like he's like a child. You also, know?
1: he doesn't even, yeah, the whole thing about the letter too is crazy because he, it would be so embarrassing and like heartbreaking for that to get out because not only is it about Connor, Connor's sister Zoe, it's also just about his mental health. And right. so that would be so scary for any person.
0: Especially, especially, and he's already, like the reason he's writing it in the first place is because of how anxious he is. Imagine having your personal feelings and like things that you're going to tell your therapist completely like outed because he doesn't know like what would happen if he told them that that was he wrote it and when they first say that it's that it's like Connor wrote this to you he doesn't even know that Connor died again yeah like
1: this is kind of a tangent but do you I get the sense that he doesn't really like writing the letters like in general I guess he do you think he's kind of iffy about therapy and like he's just doing it because he feels like he should, or his mom wants him to, or whatever.
0: Yeah. I think that we can can kind of talk about this later, especially when we get a lot later into the show, because there is a scene with him and Heidi, his mom, where he basically says like, you just want to put me on drugs and throw me in therapy. And like, you're trying to control who I am and change me and like, fix me. But he's like, but I want you to love me and accept me. And it's like, Evan, yes, that makes sense why you feel that way, but that's not what's happening. Like, she is doing everything she can to help him and help him feel more stable and feel okay.
1: I think he just doesn't have a full understanding of what it takes to raise a kid and work and do all of those things as a single parent. Like, he just wouldn't even have that understanding as a high school kid. Do you know what I mean? Not, I mean, not like we do either, really, but like, just as a kid in the state that he's in and in... The stage of life that he's in, it makes sense that as a kid, like you're kind of gonna hate on your parents for things that you don't understand yet, and that like all unravels because at first we just get his perspective, and he kind of criticizes his mom for not being on top of it and the way that he would want her to be on top of things. Right. But then obviously it unravels and we get more of that side and it kind of resolves in the end with the two of them more, but that is definitely later in the show.
0: Yeah, I think that the real issue with Evan is that I feel like, this maybe sounds kind of messed up, but I feel like there would have been a way for him to even lie about the situation and not put himself in the mess he puts himself in. Like, he could have said, like, well, yeah, we were friends a while ago. We had a falling out kind of, I bet it was like an apology. You know what I mean? Like, but it makes something sense like to me that. that it
1: unraveled because you wouldn't have been able to just cover something like that and not go to the extent that he did. Right. So the fact that he made the choice to make the lie in order to make the Murphys feel better which honestly makes sense even though it is messed up. The way that he continues honestly I feel like there is kind of a turning point in act 2 because in act 1 when he's first making the letters obviously it's kind of like all fun and games for Jared and Evan to some extent and then in act 2 Evan wants to further the Connor project. And wants to keep making up more. And then that's when Jared kind of becomes a little bit more skeptical. And that's when also he's with... Evan's with Zoe. And kind of starting to do better.
0: Well, and the letters then start to... He's made so many that it's like there's not continuity in his story. And so people... Because they're publishing all the letters now. People that are like just like aware of the Connor Project. Just like outside people are reading the letters. And are like, wait, this doesn't make sense. And so then Alana is like... Connor, like, what's up? Can you explain why these don't make sense? Like, just write a little thing explaining them.
1: Yes, and that's why I'm just saying, I think that's the turning point, at least in my head, is the act two letters in the Connor project.
0: It starts being more selfish and malicious, where in the beginning, it's like, lies for sure, but he's doing it to help the Murphys, and then it turns into something great with the Connor project, where he's actually making a difference, and then act two, it starts to feel more selfish, for sure.
1: Yeah, exactly. So there's definitely a difference between the beginning when he starts making those letters, just like you're saying, and he's just, he just has honestly the Murphy's best interest in mind. And then it turns into something that is way more complicated. And Alana starts kind of catching on and not understanding what is going on with the letters. And then when he tries to continue furthering that, that's when it's like, Evan, where is your care? Like, right. where is your moral boundary? making this difficult, buddy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think that It's definitely, he has like a progression of bravery and like throughout act one for sure, where he's like figuring out what to do and he's definitely doing something wrong because regardless of if this is helping the Murphys, Mm -hmm. he's doing something that's really messed up. He's lying about the death of someone's son. And I feel like changing the narrative and changing who this person was and lying about who this person was to their direct family is... Horrible, but even th- if it helped them. But
1: do you think that he was doing what he thought was the best thing to do? Given I think the he was doing
0: what was easiest for him to do. And he found a way to justify it.
1: I agree. But do you think his intentions were involved at all? Because like, because it happened so fast. Can we even say that he had good intent or he didn't have good intent?
0: I think it's a little bit of the, a mix of both of them. Like, I definitely think... That he was kind of trying to cover for himself. Like, that's what Sincerely Me is and all the letters and, like, all that is him finding a way to cover for himself. Or, like, but how
1: ignorant is he, was he?
0: I feel like it's too... Everything with the letters of him writing the letters between him and Connor back and forth feels too active. Like, it's yeah. too much, like, I'm I agree with that. faking, I'm lying, I'm backdating the emails, I'm creating fake accounts. um, And... Really changing the narrative of who Connor was, which he, and like, let's be honest here. He benefits from it. He benefits from Connor's death, which I think is one of the most like kind of horrifying things about but the also, whole thing. But also he
1: didn't know that that was going to be the case at the beginning. He at the
0: beginning he didn't know, but then he creates the P- Connor project and that gets him popular and that yeah. gets him Zoe and he lets that happen. And he doesn't stop it. Right. Yeah. He I never comes clean about that. And so i think what's hard the hardest part for me to get over about the whole thing is that like when i think about being in zoe or cynthia or larry's shoes there's the image of their son is probably permanently changed after what evan does and if you think about yeah. it this is months where they're hearing about a whole nother side to their son that makes him a good person, a loving person, a kind person, someone that pe- that Evan cared about that, like, you know what I mean? It shapes his whole narrative. And then in one moment at the end of the, towards the end of the show, he's like, it was all a lie. But how do you, you move on from that? Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. obviously from Evan's perspective, I can find a way to like find reasons for it. But like, how as a family would you be able to even... Like, who is Connor to that But as a or, kid, you know I mean? this is like
1: kind of the justification or like where my mind goes is how would Evan have known, like in hindsight, yes, we are all saying that that is such, that's going to have such a negative impact on their view of him, exactly what you're saying, but there's no way that he would have been able to anticipate that as a 17 year old boy with anxiety and depression, right? For
0: sure. Not right away. But I think But there's... even
1: in the middle, do you think he would have been able to foresee that- okay, this is really going to mess up how they view their son. I don't think unless he's thinking he about thought, it that deeply.
0: Unless he thought that he was going to go with the lie forever.
1: Yeah. I don't know what he was thinking. Right? It's, I don't know it's, what he it's was... why it's
0: so good, though, that we have so much to talk about. With yeah. Him. And I think that, honestly, the end of the show, it's what makes words fail so hard to watch. Mm-hmm is that you see him it's like it hits him on a moment is that he gets swept up in this fantasy and he like if you think of a song like for forever he's totally talking about his dream like he feels yeah. so isolated on his own and so not only is he creating a fantasy like it, it starts to become his truth too and we forget about he, that honestly right. because
1: we're so focused on the murphys and so focused on all this external stuff with Connor. And then you realize too, and that's what's so complicated too, is that it is a reflection of him and his relationship with his parents and with his mom and dad, who's not in the picture.
0: Right. And I feel like he finds a way to make it seem okay because... It helps him for sure, but it is helping the Murphys. It's bringing Larry and Cynthia back together. It's making Zoe more outgoing. It's making her feel more confident and feel happier and and feel like she could have had a better relationship with her brother. And like that, those are all things that do help them. And Zoe even says that at the end of the show. She's like, I think we needed yeah. it to happen, which doesn't, I don't think justify any of it. But, but I it's do just, think it's so crazy.
1: I do feel like though, he is just ignorant to some extent where it's like, where,
0: Like, at what point could you know the full ramifications of all the things that you're yes,
1: doing? Yes. And it's not even, to me, like, the more that I think about it, it's not even that he, like, actively chose to not stop the lie. It's like, for somebody who would never had that and got it, how would a person who's never had something and gets it, how would they even know how to back out of that
0: right it's like getting a genie in the bottle and throwing it away yeah like how could you even like it's everything he wanted really and so how would it's it, like a happy yeah. family with a mom and a dad that love him with a girlfriend who loves him being semi-popular at school making a good difference he stops taking his meds because he doesn't feel like he needs them and like all of this stuff that gets built up, and it's like, right? How could you? So my, yeah, that's my question. That like,
1: for a seventeen-year-old kid, okay, like if we're talking an adult in their thirties, that's a whole another story. A whole different story for a seventeen-year-old kid who struggled with mental health for for their entire life, as far as we know. Who's had basically no
0: social interaction exactly, his whole life either because of
1: it. So now that's where another like justification, and I I agree with everything that you're saying, but like to come at it from his side again, like. It's so obvious that what he's doing is wrong, like you're saying, and the audience can see that. But then if you think about it, like, can you blame a 17 year old kid for going along with something that he ha- like with something that powerful? That and he has- something
0: that if, like, if we're kind of going back to what we were talking about at the beginning of this analysis of Evan, like he was, it was kind of thrown at him. Yeah. Like he was kind of pushed on him and he tried to say, this isn't what's happening in got the best overwhelmed way in the best way that he could because he didn't know how how would you even know how to say that and then he ends up starting to lie and everything and then it becomes like this perfect world it's like it's so complicated and it's still horrible and i don't think that we can really justify what he did but we can understand it and like but sympathize even, with the like, situation think that do you, know you could
1: justify a 17 year old not backing out of that that's my i question, don't think in, justify
0: like, yeah. I think it's wrong regardless. I don't think but you do can you really think justify wrong old... things, but I think you can understand it and sympathize yeah. and say, like, I don't think Evan's a bad person. I yeah. think he's in a, he was in a really bad situation and handled it poorly. You know yeah. what I mean? Which is just complicated. But do you
1: think he would have been able to handle it? Do you think that, like, if you were in that situation, would you have, I mean, that's a, like, deep question, but, like, if it's, I was in that situation, would I have handled it differently? Right. That's why it's like from an audience perspective, of course you can be like, not just make sense, but not justified. But my question is, would any 17 year old do something different than what he did?
0: I feel like some people could.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I think think that
0: it's his crippling mental health, which is kind of the crux of the whole story is what makes him unable to back away from it. Kind of, You know what I mean?
1: I think I just can't get it out of my head. Like, would anybody else, given those circumstances, I wonder what... exact circumstances. Yeah. How could you
0: expect more from him, really?
1: And the exact circumstances, but differing on an individual level. Would somebody... Was it real? And I I guess I would agree with you that it it, it would depend on the person. And I don't really know what I would have done, given the exact circumstances, but me being me, or you being you. I don't know. I guess we will never know, but... (laughs)
0: so moving on to heidi um i really heidi is one of my favorite characters in the show i mean i guess there aren't that many but she is a really amazing character an interesting character to me and i think that part of the reason i like her so much is because i think she's an amazing mom and i think she's doing so much for evan and i don't know if he always sees that and I don't know if it doesn't seem to me like Heidi would ever really get that validation from him that it's like you're doing a good job but she still does everything she can for him she's working multiple jobs she's going to school she's trying to help him get scholarships because they might not be able to afford college she is getting him meds getting him therapy and so she's doing all these different things for him and it goes almost completely unvalidated and I think that it's so cool of her to be so willing to persevere through that and be a single mom and doing some everything she can for a kid who's clearly struggling yeah. all the time It's just she's kind of wondrous to me like just everything she does for him
1: I think work gets complicated I agree with everything that you're saying but if he's not getting that validation kind of like what I was saying before, That she can be doing all of these things, but to a 17-year-old kid in high school struggling with mental health, he's not going to see...
0: Yeah, no, I don't think you can blame him for not being able to appreciate it. Because the truth is that even though she's doing everything she can for him, it ends up sort of neglecting him, which is, again, the morally gray thing that comes into play with all the characters.
1: And what's interesting to me is that she plays it off like she doesn't have any pressure on her, which I think... Is a, a good and bad way to parent, I guess, in this situation, in the sense that she makes it seem like, oh, I just have class. Oh, I just have work. Evan, how are you doing? And making it all like ditzy and fun and not, at least what we see of her in the beginning is less serious with him than she is in the end. And we don't really know the extent to which he knows about his dad, I guess. Like, it kind of seems like in the beginning of the show, he doesn't really know, like, have that history, I guess. But she ends up explaining that later. So it's interesting that she kind of plays it off as a mom, like, kind of, like, flighty and not really with it and, like, out working and out at school. But then... This whole other side of her that, like, I do think she's a really amazing mom and is doing her best. I just think that he needed support in maybe different ways, or like the way that he reacted is because he, as a kid, isn't able to see that her working the jobs and her going to school and her providing him with meds and therapy is what he needs and is the best that she can do. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah,
0: totally. And I think he doesn't
1: get it because he's a kid. Right. And so that's I'm not even trying to say like she's a bad and it's mom. All he's ever
0: known, like he would, yeah. You know what I mean. But I also and I totally agree with everything you just said.
1: But it's in, it's interesting too that like it's almost like she wants to hide all of that stuff, which makes sense because she doesn't want him to. It's she's an amazing mom because she doesn't want him to carry the burden of her work in school. Right. But I think that's what he I was does say anyway. Is that I
0: feel like the reason she would be kind of flighty or ditzy or played off like it's all cool is so that she isn't like. Evan, I'm dying over here for you. Yes. Because he, especially since he's already anxious and depressed, that would weigh even heavier on him. But I think it turns into, he does sort of feel that weight. Exactly. And it, the fact that she's gone all the time makes him long for something else like the Murphys. And right. so it's like this butting of heads of two good people just trying their yeah. best and it completely falls apart.
1: Right. And I totally agree. I, I want to clarify that she's doing the best she can and the best that she can is incredible. And Evan's struggle shouldn't take away from all that she's doing for him, but I think that it does end up doing a different kind of damage, which is what the grayness of their characters are all about, is that she's doing the best that she can, but it also results in him not feeling close to her and him feeling neglected. And that's part of the reason why I think it was easier for him to run to the Murphys, even though we all know that he never loved the murphys more than he loved his mom but
0: it was just a fantasy he could escape to exactly i also think that like it is just complicated because i like i don't know 17 year olds are distant with their moms but she does ask questions and she gives him freedom and she lets him like oh are you going to jared's like maybe you could try to make some friends and get people to sign your cast which is like Who wants to get their cast signed when they're a senior in high school? That's why it's like the double-edged
1: sword, because I don't think Evan is aware of all that she's doing for him in both the financial and educational ways by going to school and working, and he also doesn't understand that she is asking him questions because he's a 17-year-old boy in high school.
0: And when your mom is annoying you, you're like, shut up, go away. Exactly. But then it's also like, but you're still like, no, but come talk to me, mom. Exactly. (laughs) And so it's just so complicated. And
1: that's why I think the audience can see that. And that's why Heidi is an incredible character because we can see everything that she's doing and it's not presented to us in the same way that Evan is presented to us introspectively. But we do see that like, she does draw him out and she is there it's maybe just not in the traditional like mom and dad sitting down for dinner eating every single meal together right it's a little and bit that, more unconventional and that
0: the reason that that's not the case is also something that Heidi had no control over right their dad left and that is i think probably the source of so many of their issues um and i yeah i guess we don't know a ton about his dad or how much he talks to him but from the way they frame it it seems like the dad went off started another family had other kids and does he's not in evan's life it's yeah. not like a co-parenting situation it's like evan's dad left and yeah. i'm guessing that that is what sparked a lot of his depression and anxiety is that he has a fear of being abandoned he has a fear of being alone all the time and and since heidi was then forced to go to work, like he's left alone at his house by himself all the time. And so, and I think that, yeah, it's just, it's so, there's so much to unpack with their dynamic, just the two of them as a family. And it's so interesting and like beautiful to watch it all unravel.
1: Yeah. And I feel like it would be easy to critique Heidi and be like, okay, well maybe be more open about his dad or be more open about the past or open about these really difficult things. But that is what makes these characters so relatable and so complex is that it is probably difficult for Heidi to talk about it. And it's difficult for him to talk about it. It's dramatic for
0: her to have experienced
1: Right. And so in a perfect world, Heidi would be transparent. Evan would be able to handle the transparency and they would figure out how to kind of navigate that in the most perfect healthy way, but this show doesn't sugarcoat relationships like this. It makes it really morally gray and makes it complicated because they're people who have their own issues and have their own downfalls, And maybe one of Heidi's downfalls is that it was traumatic for her and she doesn't. It's hard for her to talk about it. And so that impacts Evan.
0: It's easy as an audience member to look at them and expect perfection. But the reason the show is so good is because they're not perfect. And that's what makes it realistic and relatable and like so compelling is that these characters are flawed, just like everybody in the world. Exactly. And so it's like you can feel like, oh, but they're trying so hard, but they're not doing enough, but they're doing everything they can. And it's like, it's so distressing to watch because you care about all of the Mm -hmm. characters and are like oh but i just want what's best for you but it clashes and it's it's so good yeah okay so i also want to talk about connor um which is a hard character to talk about especially since we don't ever get a super clear understanding of who connor the real person character in the show was we obviously see him for like two scenes in the beginning and then We kind of hear people talk about him a lot, and we see him, like, interact as, like, Evan's conscience, or, like, the person, like, kind of in Evan's head, but it's hard to really think about the truth of it. Obviously, I think, and we've talked about this a little bit already, like, Connor's character gets completely changed and the perspective that we have on him completely changes from evan's lies and so it's hard when you think of a song like sincerely me or even disappear which connor's like heavily featured in it's like that's not connor that's a made-up version of connor Mm -hmm. made up by evan and when we hear like someone like zoe talk about what connor was like He was kind of horrible to her. Like, I know she talks about him threatening to kill her, screaming at her. He's always stoned, even at home. And so it's like, he was mean to Evan at school when Evan was really Yeah, because the only scene
1: that we get of him is the first scene of Connor as Connor. Right. That's it.
0: Yeah. And he, like, pushes Evan down and doesn't give him a chance to, like... Don't they have a
1: friendly moment at school, though? They have In a the friendly moment where room.
0: they he signs his cast and yeah. he takes Evan's letter and he's like, oh, this is yours and reads it and is like, did you do this to make fun of me? Yeah. And then pushes him and takes and it. And freaks out. And that's the last time we see him. And so it's hard to really understand who Connor is as a character. And I think that he seems like he does a lot of horrible things, especially to Zoe. However... I also think it's obvious that Connor was struggling with so many mental health issues and his parents, which we can get into more later too, or right now, like his parents were horrible yeah. to him and ignored him and told him that he was being dramatic and told him that he was making it up. And, and Zoe
1: honestly wasn't probably does very the sympathetic same. either.
0: <laughs> right. And so I think it's really interesting and. Obviously, I don't think we have enough time with Connor to really understand the depth or the like complexities of why he is the way he is. But I bet that a big reason that he was like that is because he had undiagnosed, untreated and actively dismissed mental health issues that his parents ignored. And so I don't even know if I can blame someone for being mean or being a bully or whatever when... They are struggling with so much and the people that should be taking care of him ignore him.
1: And that's why it gets so complicated too with their family because we... The most that we see of the Murphys is that they're grieving the loss of their son. But we don't get very much insight into their family before he passed away. The only scene that we get is when they're busy around the house right before the first day of school.
0: And honestly, even in that song, like we do get a sense that they're rude, like, especially, and we can kind of get into talking about Larry right now, too. Like, I just, I don't like Larry. I don't like him. I think he seems like a bad dad to me. And, like, if you think about, like, some of the lines that, like, Zoe's stuff makes more sense because she's also a kid. She's, like, 16. And so... It makes sense why when you have a mean older brother that you get defensive and are a rude little sister.
1: And you're also living under the same parents who probably aren't doing the greatest job of monitoring that.
0: Right. But someone like Larry, like I know in the first song, he says something like, oh, he's probably high. And like dismissive things like that, that are rude and unsupportive. And it's clear that even though they're rich and have so much money to spend, like they aren't doing anything to help their son. They just think he's like an annoying bratty kid and And then are somehow surprised when he does what he does. Yeah. And then
1: what's so interesting is that after he does die, they are like act. Okay. Yes, of course they would be grieving the loss of their son, but they also act like Oh my gosh, wait, yes, he was an incredible person
0: Especially Cynthia I think Yeah,
1: and dismissing the fact that Okay, well maybe your son actually was an incredible person When he was alive too right. When you were living If you living had made with the effort him. to
0: understand him And get to know him yes. And take care of him
1: But it's like they're... they're Which they had the
0: access to, especially since Cynthia doesn't even work. So she's at home. She's like, they talk about how she finds like a new hobby to do all the time. So she's doing yoga or she's becoming Buddhist or whatever like that. And so she has the time to research mental health, to get him meds, to get him therapy. Like Heidi's working so hard to do. And I think that Cynthia and Heidi kind of are opposites Mm -hmm. in that way, in that... Heidi sort of has nothing, but is giving everything she can to her son. Cynthia has everything and is giving nothing to her son. And they both end up in really unfortunate situations. Connor and Evan both do. And so it's just a really interesting and really sad to watch unfold. And especially as you listen to the soundtrack more and maybe see the show a few times, like you really understand the weight and the like kind of horrific things that are going on behind the scenes, especially at the Murphys.
1: Yeah. And it seems like what's interesting too, with that kind of like flipped dynamic is that Heidi seems like she's hands off when she's actually probably there for Evan more than Connor's parents were there for him. And they seem like they're hands on this typical loving family that knows exactly what's going on in their kids' lives. And then they have no idea what's going on in Connor and Zoe's lives.
0: Right. And I think, yeah, more just with Larry, like he, I know like to break in a glove makes him seem like, oh, he's just like your regular Joe. And he just wants to be like a nice dad. But just
1: listening to the soundtrack alone makes it seem like he's like this nice old guy.
0: But if you really think about the things he's saying in that song, he seems horrible to me the way that. Obviously, I think that he's a really great figure for Evan because Evan's never really had a father figure. And so that's great. But it's I'm also just that part of do his that fantasy. For... Right. But it's like Evan's like, oh, I like your baseball glove. And then Larry's like, oh, well, I never had a son that liked baseball. And my son used to... He threw away my baseball glove. And it's like, that's what you're worried about? You're sad that your son didn't want to play catch with you when he was struggling so intensely. And all you can focus on is, well, now I have this new, like replacement son that wants to sit in my garage and talk about like breaking in the glove. And it, it just feels so, even though it's obviously good for Evan, it feels really wrong to me. And I it think feels it's like just... they're, it's like a, it feels like they're taking advantage and using Connor's life at some points, which I think is an intentional choice. Like, I don't think that's a critique of the show. It just is more complicated and more interesting. And I'm just like, I do not like Larry.
1: I think it's just so obvious that both Larry and Cynthia are just so oblivious. Because even in the song, Larry Larry says to Evan, your dad must feel pretty lucky to have a son like you. Which is both a stab at Connor, and it also brings up the really difficult thing that Evan has to deal with with his dad having left right Do you know what I'm saying so like not only he's so oblivious because not only is he basically saying like my son isn't the way that I would have wanted him to be I wish he
0: was more like you I wish he was more
1: like you and then he's also bringing up this whole kind of traumatic experience for both Heidi and Evan bringing up the fact that oh your dad must be so lucky and having absolutely no idea I mean not that Larry would have known that he wasn't in the picture but just the fact that it gets brought up, it's like, oh my goodness. Just not, not an ideal situation.
0: And if you think about like Larry's like brief lines in, in Requiem, he says a lot of horrible things. Like he says, I gave you the world, you threw it away, leaving these broken pieces behind you. Everything wasted, nothing to say. So I can sing no Requiem. That's his father singing about (laughs) his his dead son. Like, it just feels so like, no, you didn't give him the world, Larry. You were horrible. You rejected him. You denied him. And later in the show, we even hear like right before words fail, when everything's kind of like accumulating and like really getting blown up. Cynthia says something about how when Connor first threatened suicide, that Larry just said he was making it up or that he was just being dramatic. And so right. that proves that this wasn't an isolated event. This wasn't Connor just secretly keeping all his emotions, being mean, and then doing it. He was, he was crying out for help. He right. wanted help and they didn't give it to him. And then when he finally dies, Larry's like, oh, you threw away your life. And you, it's like, yeah. you're being horrible. Like that borderline abusive to me. It seems yeah. like that's an abusive household that Connor was living in. And, and what's so
1: interesting is that he doesn't end to break in a glove without... And this is what I mean, too, with the soundtrack being... like The musical numbers, to me, are so intentional mm-hmm. and drive the plot. And you do need to pay attention to... like There's some shows that you can just listen to the soundtrack and really know what's going on. And in my opinion, it's more difficult to listen just listen to this soundtrack and know what's going on if you haven't already seen the show. And so simply based on the song that Larry sings, he seems like this sweet dad that's like, oh, I just wish I could have connected with my son and he just didn't want to connect. And Evan, you seem like a cool kid who wants to connect, who, who would connect with your dad. But then you realize that in every other song that Larry is in where he has little parts in it and any dialogue or any scenes that you see with their family, he's not like that.
0: He's horrible to his son. So the
1: one song that Larry has where like the light is shining on his relationship with his son and his relationship with Evan now, it's not representative of who he was as a dad. And that's what's so complex about it is that like, I'm sure that Cynthia and Larry are sitting there making it seem like they were this, they were such loving parents that totally knew what was going on. And they're absolutely devastated that their son is gone. And then it's like, Are you devastated, Larry? Why didn't you keep that same
0: energy when he was alive? (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: Like, why weren't you there for him when he was asking for help?
1: And it's interesting even that I'm not saying that any parent, like, wouldn't be grieving their son, but in Requiem, it doesn't even really seem like he... Cynthia is is
0: saying, I will sing no requiem because now I have these new letters and I I get to meet you again and I get to know you and I get to know that you were a good person. And so Cynthia's Uh is like, I don't have to forget about you because I'm learning more and more about you every day. So hers is super loving, Mm -hmm. but Larry's and we can get into Zoe's because Zoe's makes more sense to me. It's still interesting and yeah. But Larry is literally saying like, yeah, well, you threw away what I everything I gave you. So I'll sing no requiem. Like, I don't like it. Name three
1: you, things you it, gave him. Right. A
0: baseball glove. Is that yeah. all? You know, so. But anyway, yeah, moving on to Zoe. I think Zoe is a really interesting character to me. And I think that the reason I like her so much is that it feels like she sort of fits into this trope of like, The brunette skinny not like other girls character but she also has like angsty too but she has this like unique aspect about her that kind of distinguishes her from that trope if that makes sense so i just think that the way that especially laura dreyfus who's the one that i'm the most familiar with playing that role really added a lot to it in making her seem likable and seem interesting but she has a dark side to her too for sure. And I think that that is a really interesting dynamic to unpack and how she clearly seems like probably she doesn't have a great home life either. And Mm -hmm. so in the way that she shuts off at some points, like you can see her completely turn off her emotions. And that's so interesting to me. You see it in Requiem for sure. And even like when everything comes to a head with Words Fail, like she just is like, completely shuts herself off and is like, how could you do this to me? And walks away. And so it's like, she, it seems like she has trained herself probably based on her parents to avoid any problem, which is a really interesting character choice to me.
1: Yeah. And I also think what's just really complicated about her character is that it stems from Connor probably being kind of high maintenance with everything that he was going through. She doesn't want to add more to that which I think might be part of why she shuts down and why she's not maybe like super open with her parents or why she doesn't have a good relationship with her family is because Connor is taking up all of that time kind of because even if his parents were kind of hands-off or didn't really know what was going on with him, he would have presented himself in a more intense and constant way. And so I think that could be a really big reason why she might feel invisible And then that turns into anger and resentment. But then she doesn't want to become more of a burden. And she probably does. I feel like she does understand that Connor was just struggling with mental health. But then she also feels like it's unfair that she doesn't get to have a normal family life, probably in part because of Connor. So it's like, to me, it's her character is like this circular kind of like unending
0: paradoxical yeah
1: like like anger and resentment but also probably to some extent compassion but then she doesn't want to show that compassion and that's i mean represented in requiem where it's like she doesn't want to give him the time of day because of all that he does to her does to her but at the same time he's her brother and and if i could tell her she's so i mean it's the same thing with cynthia and Larry too, I guess. But like, she's beside herself that Connor said those things about her. And right. so they have, like, she has good in her. and She, she has, has love for him. Love for him. It's
0: just that she, I think that what it was is that she didn't feel like he loved or cared about her at all. Yeah. And so when he died, she was like, I I can't even care. He, and, But I think that was her bottling it down. I don't think she didn't care. And it
1: was probably just so emotionally intense for her she to have been, been to bottling all of that up and not even had Connor... Before he died, and then for him to die, and then her pour even more of herself out into her, into him like that,
0: right? Because yeah, and that's a great point. With if I could tell her, like, she it she gets so excited when she hears that her brother liked her. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Which just even complicates the whole Evan thing more because it's like, well, then at the end of the show, how do you undo that? Right. How do you learn that he never said those things? Right. Like it just is so. I, I feel like you could write a whole musical about how the Murphys <laughs> dealt with everything after Evan. Yeah. After Evan. Because, oh, like, that must have just been There's so There's just hard. so
1: much to unpack. I mean, we've said that a million times, but...
0: It's a dense show. It's a
1: dense show, for sure.
0: <laughs> okay, so then to get into our song analysis, we're going to just start off from the top of the show with Anybody Have a Map? Um, I think that I really like the way that this song really sets up the show and I feel like it kind of lends itself to one of the major themes in the show which is kind of the importance of family and like parenting your children well and especially maternally. um, I think that having Heidi and Cynthia start out the show really Gives it a like adult perspective, if that makes sense. And so you see Heidi's perspective of how to handle Evan and how to deal with him and how to help him because she's trying to help him for sure.
1: And then you get that contrast with right. the Murphy's where they're kind of like, okay, anything to get you to school? We're just like this typical crazy family that's like going about their day and kind of like seeing the banter between Connor and Zoe. And seeing how the parents interact with the kids is really, really different from the way that Heidi interacts with them.
0: It's borderline opposite. Mm -hmm. And I think that that, and the fact that they're singing this as a duet together, I think also just works. And they
1: do have moments with Cynthia, obviously, and um, Heidi, where they're kind of like standing on the stage together and you can see them like singing harmonies and singing that duet, which is what you're saying, where it highlights the maternal differences between them.
0: Yeah, for sure. And then it also just sets up the show in this way of, well, how could we have these outside perspectives? And then we sort of more drill in on Evan himself. And then he becomes the narrator of the story, basically. But it really starts off with Heidi. Like, that's really the setup for it, which I think is just a really interesting choice. And I really like it a lot.
1: And I love how you get insight into what their daily routines are like. And we talked about this in our Next to Normal episode as well, because they kind of have that opening number two where they have, they're like, okay, here's what a day in the life is like. And Murphy
0: seemed really similar to the family next to
1: normal. Yeah, totally. And then that's where you, after that in Waving Through a Window is where you kind of zone in on Evan.
0: Right. For sure. And then, yeah, just along with it, Waving Through a Window, I mean, I feel like this song instantly became like a Broadway classic. Like, it would be hard to find someone in the Broadway community that doesn't know waving through a window. And honestly, I bet a lot of people outside the Broadway community have heard it or know it too. It's just, it's an amazing song. And I mean, if you're going to talk about like song structure and everything, like a lot of shows have that, like I want song, especially Disney shows, which this isn't, but a lot of shows have that. I want song in this, like, what is, what does, the main character, our protagonist, want the most mm-hmm. in life. And so we kind of really break down less what he wants, but more what he doesn't have and how he feels and how he sort of, I guess, wants to break out of this like cage that he feels like he's stuck in, which is just so interesting because it feels like throughout the show, he sort of breaks out of the cage that he is talking about being in in waving through a window and steps into another one mm-hmm. of sorts, that he gets trapped in this world of lies and everything. And it's just like, it's like two completely different worlds that he's living in and switches from so quickly, but they both end up sort of destroying him. And only after he can kind of get rid of both of those, is he able to like grow and become a functioning human being.
1: Yeah. And the soundtrack is so cohesive with the themes in just the overall plot, but like Step Out of the Sun is kind of a musical motif and like... Not word for word, but they talk a lot about like in Disappear and You Will Be Found and in Words Fail, too. So, like, all of these songs, they're talking about like, Evan talks about nobody being around, and then like the lines about like, Did I even make a sound? Will I ever make a sound? Will I ever be more than I've been? Those are like all the lines in Waving Through a Window, but then those also recur when they talk about feeling really lonely and feeling like they're not heard. Also, what I love about this song and the placement of the show and also how Evan is in the spotlight for this and kind of a solo character standing on stage during this song is that I think it just makes the character really relatable because it's another way of getting inside of his head. They also break up like in the show, they break up this song with dialogue and you don't get that in the soundtrack, mm. which I love. And so you're kind of jumping back and forth between what's going on in reality and what's going on in his head. And that contrast it adds so much to his character.
0: And then also just with the staging of Waving Through a Window, um, I really like most of it. Again, you were talking about the lights and everything like that and the scenes in between it, but there are also a lot of the song is people are facing backwards of evan so it really Mm -hmm. isolates him like he is looking forward and people are just looking away from him walking around him like he's not there and i think that that staging is really clever and really well done and it really emphasizes how evan feels about himself and how he views the feels that the world views him which is just yeah and it
1: has a really intense impact and like sends a very clear message even with a really small cast like you don't have need to have a huge ensemble right. a to have the ensemble belt and sound incredible and yeah. b to have it portray what you want it to portray
0: for sure yeah and then just moving on to for forever for forever is one of my favorite songs on the show it's probably not my number one but i really like it and i think what is so sad to me about it is obviously this is kind of a pinnacle moment where he's like really lying and like starts like really lying. But And he
1: like uses what they say and incorporates it into his story. Right. Which isn't even like him just trying to cover himself based on what he knows. He's literally incorporating them. Yeah.
0: But it's also like when you think about the words and you think about the fact that like he's telling the story of how he broke his arm when he was really just by himself. Like Mm -hmm. he was just by himself. And obviously they kind of delve into that story for Evan a little more and how that might've been like a more complicated instance for himself, which is a whole another thing to unpack in Mm -hmm. and of itself. But the fact that his instinct is to say, well, I was actually there with my best friend and we were having a great day and we were hanging out and talking about girls and looking at the sky. And like, you can tell that this is a fantasy. Yeah. That's what I was going to say too. It's just, he is totally, even though it's, really bad that he's manipulating and lying the murphys he's also like convincing himself that maybe he is worth something that maybe this could be something that could happen for him and so it's like this mixture of i'm like oh i feel so bad for you evan but oh i feel like you shouldn't be doing this evan and it's really and the way that
1: he sings it with ease too it it's like everything melts away right it's like his
0: anxiety sort of slips away as he can enter this state of like oh my God, what if this could actually happen? And I'm kind of like rewriting my my life and And like rewriting my truth.
1: Yeah. They can paint that through the way that he sings it. And like, obviously his voice is incredible and beautiful. Like (laughs) Buddha. Yes, exactly.
0: And it totally like for forever, totally like that becomes his life. He really does reshape his life through lying about Connor, which is really messed up, but it's also... Really sad from both perspectives of it, I think.
1: Because it just shows, like, how much he is longing for that in addition to And how how when he
0: gets it, it's so hard for him to lose. Right. And then just briefly before we get into Requiem, I do just want to touch on Sincerely Me. And, like, I don't have a ton to say about this song. I do, however, think it's really fun. I think it's really funny. And I think that it does a good job of making us like the characters because... This moment in the show is probably one of the most messed up that we see, Mm -hmm. like, actively taking place. Like, they're purposely making things up, lying about things, and going to kind of extreme lengths to do it. And so, I think it's probably good that they made it into a comedic number Mm -hmm. because it makes us root for the characters more. And
1: it, like, showcases Jared more, too, which I like. He's He's so funny in it.
0: He's so funny. Yeah. He has such a sense of relief to the show as a whole. So, it's really. Yeah, it's a good song. But then, just getting into Requiem, uh, I love this song. Currently, it's my favorite one in the show. It varies, but right now, this is my favorite. And I think that it's just so interesting to hear all of the three different perspectives of the people that knew Connor the best and were exposed to him the most. Obviously, we've kind of talked about all three of their opinions on it in during the song already, but I do just want to touch more heavily on Zoe's and like the the way she talks about her experience with Connor makes me although I think it's a sad and sort of intense and pessimistic view of the whole situation I do understand where she's coming from in it and I think that hers especially compared to Larry's, is so much more understandable, especially considering she talks about how she experienced him to be really brutal to her and like kind of verbally abusive and threaten her. And like, I bet she didn't feel very safe around him. It
1: does seem like her response to it is just real. Mm -hmm. And that's really just how she's feeling. And Larry's to me more feels like it's like, shouldn't you be the bigger person when you are his father? You're the and one you that needed to raise him, him right. 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 So it's, it's different context to me where she, I think, is struggling with it and you can see that angst in her because she is sassy and angsty, but she's also this, it's, like...
0: It comes from a place of pain and you can tell that.
1: Yeah. It doesn't feel like she's just, like, taking stabs at him just to take stabs at him and is being unfair. It just seems like it is complicated and she's communicating that in this song.
0: Yeah, and I think that just the way she talks about things is like, why do I have to grieve you when I, the vibe that I get from her is like, if I died, I didn't, I don't think he would grieve me. And so I think she's kind of being like, well, now we're even
1: a little bit. Yeah. And it's almost more like her thought process than her, again, like what I just said, it's not that she's trying to take stabs at him. I think it's more just like, this is how I feel about it. This is my reaction. I wasn't expecting this and I wouldn't want this, but I don't think that he would grieve for me either. And she's a kid, too. Like, she's just processing it. I
0: don't think that it comes from a place of, like, actual hatred. I think it's a defense mechanism. I think it's her trying to compartmentalize and say, I don't know how to deal with this. I'm just going to push it off and find reasons to justify it and find reasons to make myself okay. And then, honestly, going straight from Requiem into if I could tell her, we see that contrast. We see her glow up when she realizes that, Well, it's fake, obviously, but that Connor was saying things about her and cared about her and paid attention to her and was thinking about her a lot. And so we really see that contrast. And I think that really shows what she truly feels about Connor is not an actual it is resentment, but it comes from a place of wanting to be able to love him and wanting to feel loved by him. And that's where her pain and requiem comes from is that she never got that when he was alive but when she does sort of get a taste of that from Evan she eats that up like she just loves it you know
1: yeah it's also a really interesting song if I could tell her is a really interesting song for Evan because it's honestly kind of creepy
0: it was kind of really cute and but it's, it's also kind really of cute. really creepy yes
1: yes and I this was actually one of my favorite songs I think for the longest song for the longest time on the whole soundtrack. I don't really know why. I just love it. I was always like, I don't, I just.
0: It's like a weird, complicated feelings about it because it feels really endearing and it feels like, oh, it's cute because this is all these like unique things about her. But it's also like, but the way he frames it is so messed up that it's like,
1: It's, like, messed up, but, like, you get it, though, because it's, like, he just likes her, and he's just a teenage boy that just, like, has a crush on her, and he's had a crush on her for a long time, and so I think he's genuinely just, like, sitting there, like, fantasizing about her, which is, like, I guess that's just not, it is, it is kind of messed up, But, but I don't know. I love this song, even though I get, I mean, we could always unpack more about, like, how it's messed up that he's kind of manipulating her and creating this lie, but beyond that, it's just an interesting song because it's it shows, like, the sweet, honest sides and also the kind of, like, not okay sides of it.
0: Right. And then, yeah, just with Disappear, I think that Disappear is a really interesting song to me because it portrays Connor, obviously, very differently because it's kind of this personification of him that Evan has made up in his head. But I think that it can be a really powerful song in that it is kind of like through everything that he's been lying about, Connor has found a way to empower Evan himself, if Mm -hmm. that makes sense. And so Evan finds a way to feel valuable and to make a difference and does make a really positive difference for a lot of people through the Connor project, which is totally made of because of Connor and through his memory and for his memory. And And they both,
1: I feel like they can relate to each other. Like obviously Connor was like rude to him or whatever, like bullied him in school, but- at the end of the day like they do have a lot in common in their characters obviously like connor is kind of like in the back of his mind for the whole show and i think it like kind of comes to a climax with their two characters and right. this song the most
0: yeah and then just directly going to you will be found i think i mean it's a really powerful song i think it's a really important song and, and it I kind think... of
1: speaks for itself like there's yeah. not much like more to analyze for sure. Other than like just them communicating about. I do just
0: want to say that I really like the scene right leading up to You Will Be Found. Evan's like super anxious to like give this speech because he hates public speaking and he has all these note cards and he starts talking oh, yeah. and reading them out and then he drops them all and it's like secondhand embarrassment and you just for feel sure. so bad for him and you're like, oh no, what is going on? And then he sort of picks himself up, he breathes and he just starts going And he says something so powerful. And I think that he sort of shocks himself in being like, oh, like I can make a difference. Like my voice matters. I have something to say. I can be important here.
1: Yeah. It's the best way to kind of like go into that song because it shows like the audience that he is still struggling with this anxiety and this depression. And he's going, he's experiencing this all the time. And he portrays that through something that's really relatable, which is awkward public speaking. Right. And then he goes into like, but we're going to carry on and we're going to, kind of make light out of something that I've been struggling with for my whole life.
0: Exactly. Yeah. I just think it's a fantastic way to end act one. And it really feels like a wholesome wrap up for the first act before we get to big boy sad times in act two. <laughs> so then just going straight into act two with to break in a glove. Uh, we talked about it a little bit already. Um, we don't really like Larry that much. And this song does sort of emphasize that. But I don't think we really need to go into that very much. No, more because- I just
1: think it's a little deceptive for his character. And I just do, I, maybe I said this before, but I remember listening to the soundtrack for the first time. And I was kind of like, oh, Larry, like, what a cool character. He's a father figure for Evan. And then the more that I started to watch and listen to the show and analyze more of it, you just realize that this song doesn't portray him the way that he is. Really was for Connor and for his family,
0: for sure. And I just I do want to mention Evan's side of it and that it is a really positive experience for Evan, and I think that that's really cool and really important, and, it's and valid, not something yeah. that we should just skim over just because Larry has a lot of downfalls. But I do think it's interesting and important to talk about both that Evan's never had a father figure; he's never had anyone, and so this really sort of gets us into Evan's mindset of why he gets so connected to them and why he starts distancing himself from his own mother, which really ends up playing out in this act. Um,
1: Yeah, and Evan wouldn't have been able to see necessarily that Larry wasn't the best parent or the best influence on Um, him.
0: Yeah, and then going into Only Us, I feel like this song... And I remember when we were watching it, you sort of... At the end, they end up kissing him and... um, what is her name? <laughs> Him and Zoe. And I remember you looked at me and go, wait, so he has no more anxiety anymore? Like he's like some smooth guy. Well, Which, I, no, and I really like yeah. that statement. Because I, I was think... kind of
1: like, wait, all of a sudden he just like knows how to pull out the good move.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Which is a valid point. But I also think that it really proves that he's actually getting better. And he's learning how to let his guard and down. And you said how to be that he
1: feels safe with her. Right. And so that it's
0: not just like, oh, like Evan's all smooth and like all that. No, it's like it's because it's Zoe yeah and because he's learned to feel safe with her and feel comfortable with her. And she makes the first move, which I think is a big part of it, too. And so
1: and he does gain confidence
0: 100 percent. And so I think it's a big moment for him. And it's a really adorable song, I think, that like she can be like, stop worrying about this. And I think it's also important that she says like. I don't want our whole relationship to be about Connor. I want to, I want this to be us. And I it's want so it to liberating for you, him. Yeah. Right? That he's not tied down or like, not that Connor was tying him down at all, but that he's not like, wow, I love the work you're doing. It's like, I care about you and mm-hmm. I want to be with you, which is so interesting and just l- makes the ending and like, what's coming up that much more heartbreaking. Yeah,
1: And it's such like, I feel like the ending is just such a turn of events. Like you wouldn't, That's also, like, this show is so incredible It's so expected,
0: but it's still not even more heartbreaking. But
1: it's almost, like, not even expected, in my opinion. Like, I wouldn't necessarily have predicted that, like, at the end of the day... Like, I would have predicted that it all falls apart for him eventually, but I wouldn't have necessarily predicted that she was going to leave him. Like, that they weren't going to end up together.
0: That it's done.
1: Yeah. And that it, like, really is done and they end... And I... Oh, I mean, we can talk about that, but at the finale but like I like that that's the way that they kind of like send it off is that like no we're circling back to what this show is about and this show is about destigmatizing mental health and it's about all of these but that doesn't
0: mean that it's gonna always be easy and always be fantastic and you're gonna get your picture perfect exactly
1: exactly
0: yeah but then so the next thing basically that happens after only us or in that scene I think that Connor mentions that he sort of is trying to write a bunch of essays to get scholarships for college and how He doesn't know if he'll be able to afford it. And
1: then there's a lot of like dialogue and scenes. scenes. Yeah. Yeah. And so
0: I know basically then Zoe ends up telling her family that, well, like Evan maybe can't afford college and they had money because they're rich, saved up completely for Connor to go to college. And so they invite Heidi over and they say... Heidi, who didn't even know that they were close or that they were friends or that Evan was a part of the Murphys' lives at all.
1: Because Evan told Heidi that he was at Jared's every single night. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so then Heidi's kind of like just completely...
1: Blindsided. Yeah,
0: blindsided. And then when... Not only is she like unaware that this was a whole relationship dynamic, that they were kind of raising Evan while Heidi was working and going to school and trying to help him.
1: And like taking him under their wing without, with her being like, wait, why does my son need to be taken up? Like, who are you again? Yeah. And why does my son need to have you as like Like his his second parents?
0: Right. And so then when they offer to pay for his tuition, she's like, you're a stranger. You're a stranger to me.
1: And then I think she realizes even beyond that, beyond the Murphys, she realizes that Evan has been been lying lying to her. her.
0: And that leads right into Good For You, which is so... I remember when I listened to the soundtrack at first, Rachel Bay Jones is fantastic and she changes her voice a ton for this song and so because I remember, like we
1: were talking before in the beginning of the show she's kind of like this ditzy mom that's like okay evan i'm going to work and i hope you have a good day at school right. and then this is it like intense and game raspy changer.
0: and like yeah and so it feels i remember feeling like i didn't even know that it was his mom at the when i first started listening yeah. to it and then once i saw the show i was like Oh, that's who's singing it?
1: Yeah, and I had no idea what this... I didn't get, like, what was going on because, like, before I had seen the show, I was just listening to the soundtrack, and when you go from Only Us to Good For You and there's... what happened? And you (laughs) haven't seen all of the scenes in between, you have no idea what's going on. And so I... Not to, like, cut you off about what your experience was with that, but, like, when I first listened to this song... I was like, what the heck? Heidi is being so aggressive. Like,
0: like this is she's, her son is struggling. Like, he's going through so much.
1: Yeah, I was like, exactly. So, like, from the soundtrack, you wouldn't necessarily, like, understand all of the stuff that we've been discussing, like, the more complex aspects. So, I was just like, Heidi, what the heck? You're going off on your son and being really rude. And I didn't like listening to it. Like, right. I would never... That was one that I definitely would skip on the soundtrack. I would just, like, go through the hits with Ben Platt. But then, like, after now knowing the show kinda of inside and out. I honestly think this is like one of my favorites on it's the so whole soundtrack.
0: And you really see like it feels so drastic of what she's saying and what she's doing and the way she's singing. But when you see the scene leading up to it, Evan yes. is mean. He is mean. She's like, Who are these people? You've been lying and she to me. Builds Who is this double life? And she's obviously angry and frustrated, but he's like, You've done nothing for me and she basically is like, well, I'm sorry that I can't give you everything. I'm sorry that I can't be perfect. And he Or that
1: I can't be enough. For I you. can't be
0: enough. And he's like, sorry I found someone else who can. And so that's Mic what drop. starts the song. <laughs> and like that is
1: brutal.
0: Evans basically looking her in the face and saying, You're not good enough for me and I found someone else who's better. And yeah. I care about that more and I'm going there and I'm staying there. And you and so could argue
1: that it's like him just in the moment kind of, but it's also like I that's think a heartbreaking it is. moment. I yeah. think it
0: is, but I don't think you could ever expect someone, especially a mother who's working so hard for you to not blow up over that. And so I she's do, saying, yeah. fine, if that's how it's going to be, like, that's how it's going to be. But I do even, think it's
1: a little aggressive still just because it's like she probably... Like, it seems like... She, I feel like she could be a little bit more understanding, like, okay, well, maybe he does feel like even though... Like, as a mom, wouldn't she understand that he doesn't get what it's like to be a single mom and all the sacrifices she... Sh- sacrifices that she's made... But I'm, also
0: she doesn't know what it's like to be a teenager in his position, you know? So it's yeah, just like the clash yeah, of perspectives. Totally. And she is forgiving. The next scene she's in, she's so loving. Oh, for
1: to sure. Him. I'm just saying, like, that contrast is pretty dramatic. It is, yeah, for sure. From her being like, she honestly sounds like an angsty teen in the song. Yeah. Like basically being I mean, it's an incredible song. For it's an sure. incredible song. But like it's a little bit I guess my only like critique, or it just seems it maybe a little bit dramatized. But also Parents and kids blow up over stuff like that. Parents like, get
0: angry. Parents They're get are human angry. too, right? Yeah. And then also just talking about, like, Jared and Alana. It's like... Alana is complicated because she also really pushes Evan to release really personal information. Like, the original letter that Connor had with him when he died. And so that, I think, like, is kind of crazy and hard to justify for me. That she's really so willing to put everything about... Mm-hmm. Obviously it's made up. So there's obviously those issues that we've already talked about. But Alana doesn't know that. And so she's she would have done it regardless. Post, yeah, she yeah, wasn't like she was under the full assumption that this was all valid and posted it to the public internet, which is just so yeah. crazy. Yeah. And so I find it hard to justify Alana's perspective in that. But Jared's makes a lot of sense to me. I think that Evan does use him a lot. Like they were never close friends. And I think especially at the beginning of the show, Jared was pretty mean to Evan. And so it's like, I get that they weren't close, but I also think that Evan continuously uses Jared and then blows him off and pushes him to the side. And I feel like Jared's someone that also probably feels invisible. I feel like we all know people that are kind of like Jared that are nerdy and kind of awkward and make weird and sensitive jokes, but are like still funny. And it's like this weird, complicated person. And Evan, even though he's preaching like you are not alone and you will be found, doesn't give that same like energy to Jared, who would probably want
1: it or need it too. Yeah, I definitely feel like Evan takes advantage of him in every sense of the word when it comes to the Connor project and everything thereafter. And it kind of seemed like they were going to be friends at the beginning, like they, they seemed like their friendship was building. And then I feel like it just stalled. And then Evan didn't care. It
0: kind of feels like, well, Evan was ready to be friends with Jared maybe, but he found something better. Which yeah. Is and kind I of guess a with him. his
1: intentions to be friends with Jared anyway, didn't really, it wasn't about wanting a friendship with him. It was just about like helping him further the lie, I guess. So yeah, that's a little bit, that's a good point. I hadn't really thought about how like he is preaching all about this, like you're not alone and all this stuff. But then it's like, he's not being kind and loving and like being a good friend to Jared and Alana for that matter. Mm -hmm. I mean, Alana kind of does him dirty, but
0: yeah, it's definitely complicated. And then after good for you, we get into honestly, like the climax of the show where everything is building up and building up, building up, and then comes tumbling down. And it is a heartbreaking song. It is tragic to watch. And I mean, I'm the most familiar with Ben Platt, but he is so good in the song. And I think that it's so. The fight scene between the Murphys right before this is really long. And I like that a lot. I think that it builds the tension up in the audience and it builds it up for Evan. And he basically kind of just snaps
1: and lets it all loose. And, and they do they do that with Heidi too, like mm-hmm. for good for you, because they have, like, they go to the Murphys and then it's like this whole thing builds and then they go home and have the fight and then she sings good for you. So it's right. like, there's so, there's so much climax and they like, yeah, they totally build it. And the same... Uh, same thing what you're saying with Words Fail, the way that it, like, they have those fight scenes and intense dialogue, and then it, like, climaxes to Ben Platt, like, convulsing on stage.
0: Right. And I think that what's so great about Words Fail is that I feel like Evan got so swept up in the story that he was creating that he didn't, I think he knew what he was doing was wrong, but he never actually accepted how wrong it was. And so during words fail, yeah. it all hits him and he realizes how horrible the things he was doing and how he manipulated this family and how he used them in a way and how he was definitely doing things for them too. But like he benefited off of their son's death and he, and I now think he is realizing is, all that and, and the repercussions, right. And what he's going to lose because of, what he did. And so it's just such a good song. It's so interesting. It's so difficult to watch or listen to. It's so emotional. It's so good. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't even really know. I, I don't have words.
0: Words what? fail. Words <laughs>
1: fail, period. <laughs> yeah.
0: But then right after that, um, I don't even know if the actor playing Evan has time to even walk off stage, but basically directly after words fail, you can still see the tears in his eyes as he goes home to see... Heidi and it's a touching song Mm -hmm. I think that you can definitely tell that good for you and that fight they had was a total blow up and Heidi has had more time to sit and think about it and has calmed down and been like I'm sorry that I haven't been perfect for you and I know that I haven't been perfect for you
1: and I think that's all he needed all along honestly with someone
0: to say that to him, and
1: it's okay that it It's a, like, from an audience perspective, I feel like we could be critical and be like, why, that's what we were talking about before. Like, why wasn't she just like that before? But it's like, because they're human. Right. You don't
0: always know how to do it perfectly. Yeah, no.
1: But there is some kind of resolution in the fact that she's able to come to terms with that. And she, this is, I think this is truly what, like, shows that she is such an amazing mom is that she's able to step back and be like, show him that she is the bigger person. Not that it's fake. Like, it's obviously very genuine. But, like, show him that, like, no matter what you think after this blow-up that we just had, I don't care. I'm going to be there for you no matter what. Right. And I've made that decision and there's nothing you can do about that.
0: Right. And that it's, like, I think it gives clarity on how hard it's been for her, too. That she's, like... Especially, I mean, Evan was just a kid when his dad left. And so it's like, she's like, I felt so small of a person. And I was. And because like his dad left, like
1: obviously he left Heidi, but like the fact that there was nothing that she could do about him leaving Evan. Right. As a father, like.
0: And she probably blames herself for him leaving her and Evan. Yeah. You know? And she even says, I love that she says in the song, like, I knew that I would mess up yeah, and yeah. I did mess up, and, and I'm I, messing up, and I'm and going will. to mess yeah. up. Like, I think that's such an important thing to say, and is universally true. Like, and I feel like Evan hearing that, being like, "I'm sorry, and I'm aware of it, and I'm trying my best, and I promise you, yeah, it will be a bumpy road ahead, still, but I will love you forever." Yeah, that's literally so what important. the message is. Is like,
1: right. I did mess up, and I'm going to in the future, but like. I don't care what you say. I'm going to be here no matter what. And yeah, I don't know how the whole audience wouldn't just be bawling their eyes out.
0: Right. (laughs) And then we get to the end of the show. It ends a year after everything blew up and we kind of mentioned this earlier, but I love the ending. I think it's a, they do a great job with it and it feels really realistic and, it kind of just sums the whole show up really well. Yeah, and well. They
1: even, like, in the scene when they're at the orchard and Zoe, sa- he says, Evan says to Zoe, I wish we would have met now. And I think she says, like, me too. But then they don't end up but together. But that's not like a, like,
0: okay, let's kiss now. Yeah, it's like, no. Yep, that would have been great. And then too she... Too bad we didn't. Exactly. <laughs> kind of thing.
1: But it's like, igno- and that's, I feel like that's such a real world, like scenario like that would so happen where it's like dang like wish this could have been like it's like the whole like right person wrong time or like right time wrong person or whatever yeah like both ways and
0: i think that it's so interesting to me because obviously the orchard was something that was really surrounded around connor but it, it didn't have anything to do with connor it was made up but zoe says that her and her family go to the orchard like every other weekend and like have picnics here and she says to evan like i think it saved us what you did i think it saved my family we were falling apart and i think it saved us which is so interesting and so hard because it's not a justification that's yeah but it is like a like don't hate yourself forever for this you did a lot of good even while you were doing bad And you made a positive difference in our lives, even though you also made a negative difference, kind of. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it feels like such closure for their relationship and just for the whole situation that he can hear from her, like, not it's okay, but like, we're all ready to move on. Yeah. So let yourself move on.
1: And I think it's like resolution for each of the characters individually, Mm -hmm. but also resolution for them, like for Zoe and Evan and for the Murphys as a family and Evan. Like, it's just a way for it all. Like you said, to not a justification for anything that he did and, like, what went down, but just that we get to move on in life and things happen and here we are now.
0: Right. And I like that she says, like... I wanted to make sure you saw the Apple Orchard once, Because he's like, I'd, I've never come. I've never I been able to make is, myself and come. And she's like, yeah. I wanted to make sure you saw it one time at least. Which I feel I like it shows so their, powerful. their
1: development. Like, their character development is so clear towards the end, especially with, like, Heidi. And, I mean, not really with Larry and Cynthia, I feel like there's not really that much character. Like, <laughs> there's not really much resolution with them. Yeah. But at least with zoe evan and heidi i feel like there's a lot of like you can see that arc from the very beginning from like when you first meet them until the ending scene in the orchard and then like Mm -hmm. just ending the show with evan up front
0: yeah and the all we see is light. i think it's a great ending
1: thank you so much for listening to episode six of the behind the backdrop podcast
0: special thanks to ian handeland for composing our intro music and megan hine for designing our logo
1: We'll see you next month when we taste a little bit of Waitress.